0: Welcome to the Inside Data Centre podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data centre sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is a podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Centre podcast. Today, I'm joined by David Hurst, the CEO of Macquarie Data Centres over in Australia. Morning, David. Good afternoon, Andy. Nice, nice to meet center. you. Always that time problem here, very early in the morning for me and the end of the day for you over there. Yep, it is
1: a Friday afternoon for us. Um, You're between me and a beer, so looking forward (laughs) to both the podcast and the beer afterwards.
0: And the beer, right. We better get this one going then quickly. I don't Mm. want to keep you from your beer. Obviously, it's great to have you on. I'm really keen to learn more about Macquarie as an organisation and also more about Australia and the data centre region and the activity at present. But before we start, do you just want to give a quick introduction of kind of who you are and what your role is at Macquarie? Yeah, sure.
1: Um, Yeah, I'm a group executive, in fact, the CEO of the Macquarie Data Centre business. Um, We're part of the larger Macquarie Telecom Group, which is a publicly listed company on the Australian Stock Exchange. I've been with the company now for 12 years. I've had various roles um, as well as uh, Chief Commercial Officer for uh, the hosting group. Um, So that's over the last 12 years. We've had um, fantastic growth as a business and a company, Um, over those last 12 years, um, which I've been a a big part of um, and it's been very exciting to be part of that journey. Uh, Prior to um, Macquarie Telecom Group and Macquarie Data Centre Business Unit, um, I've been in um, online media, a new media, IPTV, um, launched several web businesses with News Corporation um, and uh, worked with... um, PBL and Foxtel on their digital, um, IP platforms. Um, so it's either at the front end or the back end of infrastructure and, uh, and data center land, but I've been doing that for oh, right, about 25 years now. So yeah,
0: good, yeah. good track record in the industry. What I always yeah. like to do is just, just go back right to the beginning. So how did you first start your career? Uh, that's really a good question. I, um,
1: about more than 25 years now I started I actually went to university um, and did a maths degree. That's my first degree and then uh, and then I thought to myself I better do um, a minor in, in, in business and in economics to um, to be able to go out there and into the business world and um, and um, I was recommended by a friend to get into um, uh, this new online space back in the late 90s um, you know pre-broadband. And then uh, we launched launched a whole bunch of websites. Um, Some uh, didn't really get out of the gates and others have been very successful. Um, And then from there it grew and I shifted around a little bit uh, on the front end of the scene and then I found myself after the GFC um, in hosting and infrastructure as a service uh, at Macquarie uh, and it had a data centre uh, it had um, private cloud services. It had cybersecurity services. Um, and I was across, working across all those areas. Um, and then um, as we grew in all those areas, um, I managed to grow the data center business into what it is today. It was very exciting. Uh, and that got to a certain size where it needed to be um, split out from the business and to its own uh, company and business unit, its own segment have been very successful over the last um, decade.
0: And that brings us to today. So obviously quite keen to learn a lot more about Macquarie. Um, I understand you've got five data centres at the moment located across sort of Sydney and Canberra. What Do you want to explain to the listeners kind of what the importance of these locations is and, and kind of what your facilities offer to the region?
1: Yeah, we focus um, really on tier one Cities and and market. uh, And that's basically where the uh, undersea cables land, uh, being Sydney. Um, And you typically find that um, data center businesses um, and data center capacity seems to grow at the end of these um, these long links, long cables. Uh, And so, Sydney is one of four major tier one hubs in in the Asia Pac region, alongside uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, and uh, Tokyo. Uh, and Sydney's probably actually over the last, let's say, last year or two years has been the fastest growing, uh, even though we're quite a mature um, market, first world market. So we've always, and, and our heritage has always been in Sydney. It's a capital city. It's the largest city in Australia. Um, and so for all those reasons, IT Hub as well, um, we've been based here. And Macquarie Telecom Group, um, parent company, its heritage has always been, and doing work with um, with government as well as corporates, and so we have a quite a large presence in Canberra, and we have um, you know up to forty two percent of all federal government agencies actually located in our data center down in Canberra. So um, long heritage there, also with Canberra, and also federal government's a large spender in, uh, of, on IT. IT yeah, I, think
0: I, I don't think a lot of people understand kind of the importance of Canberra, do they? In the In the world or in in Australia, basically, like the the majority of your government and central functions are within that city, which obviously means the infrastructure is a vital component to, to the whole geography of Australia. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Spot on Andy. Yeah. And obviously you've I was reading that you've had you know a really busy year in the last 12 months, opening and kind of developing new facilities. So just wanted to touch on that. You know, how has that been? Doing that during what has obviously been a crazy twelve-month period. Yeah, twenty twenty. What a year! Um, (laughs) I can't wait to not. I always always say I can't wait to not have to talk about it. But for the industry, it's been a transformational period. Well, let me
1: let me take a little step back there. I think twenty twenty and the catalyst that is COVID. um, Let's not talk about the um, obviously. obviously covid's impacted people from a from a health perspective and mental health physical health and all this. That, that's and that's um you know very sad but if we focus on um digital and it and what covid's meant it's been a catalyst really for the industry for um for uh data growth uh for cloud and for data centers and What I'm most proud of and a couple of things that I think we're really proud of here at MDC is that, um, you know, we said we're going to build two data centres in 2020 and um, when COVID came along, we didn't take our foot off the gas. You know, we we doubled down, we invested, we made sure that we reviewed all of our supply chains, created risk management programs um, to to really make sure those sites were delivered on time and on budget, uh, which they both were. Um, parallel track but during that phase what macquarie data centers um, did was employ over uh 1400 people during that construction period in 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 really uncertain times and we didn't back away from it so you know when you're in it you're not we were really unsure of how the economy was going to go and what was going to happen um, but we had belief that in the long term this was the right investment um, for ourselves uh for our, for our shareholders but also that um that we could create those jobs in those uncertain times was a was, was, um, pretty good feeling, actually, in retrospect. I think what's really interesting, though, is um, what we saw during that period, particularly with data and data explosion, was you know, people were forced. We, we had quite a lot. I'm not sure if you know this, but Australia went quite heavily into lockdowns, and that's the way that we've been able to control uh, the pandemic. Um, and we have very few cases, none, none in New South Wales, in Sydney, uh, at the moment and a little bit in Victoria, very, but very small compared to the rest of the world. Uh, but we had these lockdowns. But in, in, in a lockdown, um, you still need to, you know, purchase your bread, milk and eggs and all those other things. Your kids might need um, or your pets might need um, their food and their chew toys and whatever, what else it might be. Kids might need underwear and socks and so on and so forth. Well, people went online for that. They also wanted to speak to their parents and their grandparents, and the only way they could do that, like over this call, is see them via Zoom. Now, you had these baby boomers in the 2020s that um, uh, uh, technology laggards didn't really go on and use um, video as as a means of communicating, but had to learn how to do that during this lockdown period. And like riding a bike, once you've learned how to ride that bike, you continue to be able to ride that bike forever. So when the pandemic goes away, they still learn how to online shop, use Zoom, um, and so on and so forth. And that goes for um, not just, you know, the parents that are doing it, but the grandparents, and it's a whole generation of people that now have embraced technology uh, that hadn't been there in the past. So that's why it's COVID has been an accelerator um, uh, and uh, and we've seen an explosion of data uh, and uh, and, therefore, um you know an increased need for data center capacity because clouds themselves don't live in the cloud in the sky they live in data centers um which a lot of people don't know that but that's the case so um so 2020 was an incredible year from that perspective and has really transformed um the world and accelerated um digital
0: yeah, exactly. I always say that even my mum uses Zoom now. and I, use, I feel sorry for my mum to kind of use you as that example of you know, the people that didn't before. But, but now you know, they're ordering their shopping online. They're having video calls like this online. It, it has been transformational for, for the industry. And how did the demands change for your customers? Were your customers coming to you for more capacity or were they after, you know, kind of an improved service? What What were the conversations you were having with your customers over the last 12 months?
1: Yeah, the first part was just shoring up and making sure that they, you know, that they understood how they could access their, um, you know, the collocation environments, making sure that it was a safe. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're very focused on safety, so um, really important to make sure that the environment safe and that we have the right protocols in place. Uh, once I got comfortable with that, um, uh, we saw an increase in, uh, in, in consumption uh, definitely an increase in consumption and people increasing not only their uh, data centre, uh, rack and kilowatt capacities, but their bandwidths as well. Um, so we could provide good news. We pro- we provide more than just the racks. We provide can provide access to bandwidth, and uh, we also provide hands and feet services and engineering services if needed. So when the customers couldn't leave their home or weren't able to, we could do stuff for them, um, you know, the, the big the big deal was for our customers overseas. A lot of them would fly in they'd rack and stack their equipment, you know, and then fly out and get access to Australia. Australia closed its borders. Our borders are still closed. It's very difficult to come into this country There's a two-week quarantine process. So if you're not with a partner that actually can do more than just give you access to a safe and secure and high uptime environment, if you're not doing more than that, particularly in these times, then... You know, you might not resonate very well with those companies that aren't based locally in Sydney and many, many companies um that uh have footprint in Sydney and in Australia actually are overseas, as large software as a service companies, hyperscalers, scalers, multinational corps and banks. So um, you know, we we have those you know, by having those additional services and having that engineering team on the ground, we were able to really meet the needs of our customers. And we haven't really had been disrupted at all in terms of our operations, and we've seen an uptick in in consumption. Um, so all around a good experience for both us and our customers. It's been, it's been very good, actually.
0: Yeah, great, which is which is great to hear because I like to share the positive stories like you were saying earlier about, you know, the last 12 months, it, you, we do need to find some positives in it, and there are a lot for this industry. Um, you touched on it earlier about the growth in the the APAC region as a whole and how that impacts Australia. Yeah, we're seeing significant investment into you know Asia, which I know is bouncing back into Australia because we're also seeing a lot of new developments in in Australia as well. But how do you see the kind of the evolution over the next sort of twelve to twenty four months of the Australian data center market in response to that increase in demand across the region?
1: Look, I think um, it's well placed. There's quite a few providers here um, already that have that have um, been around for a while in terms of the. Um, supplying data center capacity um, we've been doing it for more than most i think we would be we, we've probably you know been doing it for longer than anyone so we've got a great uptime record um 20 years if you think about it since we launched our first data center
0: time flies
1: um, <laughs> time flies it's true and and obviously data centers have changed and the size of data centers have changed um given the the explosion uh of of data and um and this and the amount of bandwidth now that you can that you can Um, That can travel across networks. Um, But Australia itself is really well placed. There's lots of considerations. You know, we're a first world country. Um, You know, we have a proper uh, good legal system. Um, We have a very strong economy, stable economy, um, and that's proven throughout um, COVID. If you actually look at our our economy, it's um, very, very strong. Um, We've got access to good land. We've got access to power and power generation. Australia is a very vast country, um, set up really well for renewables. Um, and as we focus on that as a country, we'll see um, more and more um, of that. And um, it's on the doorstep of Asia. So it really is a great location. And that's why it's been such a fast growing location um, over the last year. So
0: uh, definitely. And what I've seen as well from kind of the outside looking in is more, more data centers being developed outside of sydney and you know melbourne and canberra kind of you're seeing more developments in darwin adelaide and do you see that sort of becoming more common you know as more people wish to access the internet you know and you need more connectivity across the country do you think you'll see more spread for the data centers
1: look i definitely think you'll see um you know more growth in uh uh you know outside of sydney there's no doubt but i think Sydney is still, um, you know, it's the one that's on the end of the um, undersea cables. Uh, it's the one that has the um, largest amount of population and a lot of the economy. But you'll also see um, growth in, in Melbourne, um, you know, and, and all the respective governments of each of the states, you know, and then obviously Western Australia with its um, big mining and, uh, and and needs over there. So um, I think, yes, well, we will see growth in all uh, capital cities in Australia um, and some of the larger uh, re- regional cities, uh, potentially as well in the future.
0: Yeah, it's what we're seeing in most, in you know, most of the regions we 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 work in and we recruit for across the, across the world. We're now seeing more spread of the data centers. We're obviously remaining very, very busy in the, the key tier one markets, but we're seeing a lot more spread to tier two, which is is obviously like you said earlier about the fact that more people now need that access, more business want local connectivity. So it seems to be a change that is is coming and happening. But also, like you say, the the main regions are just seeing as much or more growth. It's just we're now seeing more access into tier two and tier three markets. Yeah,
1: there's there's, there's, there's definitely um, an accelerated growth in those tier two markets. Um, but the tier ones are um, um very they're not going, much, going away, um, yeah. <laughs> not going away across the globe. They're they're growing just as hard.
0: Mm. Exactly. And, and let's our- let's take a
1: step, let's take a step back, Andy, and just go, well, why is that the case, right?
0: Yeah. There's a couple
1: of key mega trends going on at the moment. You know, we've got um hybrid IT, which is your application's journey from in-house corporate offices to you know. Co-location and then onto private dedicated cloud virtual dedicated cloud and onto public cloud so you've got that whole application journey some of it transforms some of the applications get transformed uh, onto platform um but most um we just see legacy migration so there's that huge trend um and that, that continues as as uh, offices um are not very uh uh, a environmentally friendly uh, data center and UPS is needed, and and um, and its high power needs, and um, you know, and you get more efficient and and more uptime, more secure um, um, facility out of a purposeful data center. So you got this hybrid IT thing. It's definitely generating massive amounts of data moving to the to the data center into the cloud. Then you've got big data, and we just spoke about a big data example of lockdown and people ordering they're shopping online and it being, you know, it's sending it off to different manufacturers and then having to centralise into a warehouse and then sending it back to a person's home. Um, that is being automated. That's end-to-end supply chain automation or Industry 4.0. So that's another big trend that we're seeing. And that's not just B2C but B2B and big mining and so on and so forth. So, um you know that's your other trend of, of data exposure. then you got iot all the wearables you know everyone's um got more and more wearables more and more internet of things in the house uh, in the office and i used to uh, when i do induction at the company i give one of my presentations one thing i like to talk about and i'm showing my age here a bit is uh when i used to pen an email to my cousin in the 80s I used to write an email using a pen and a piece of paper and i'd send it with a stamp in the mail and that uh that uh, analog email would make it on a ship or a plane all the way over to america and he'd read it three weeks later he'd write back to me and send it back and i'd receive a letter or analog email and that you know has no digital footprint obviously but that transaction took uh six weeks round trip for two emails well then internet came along and dial up and that interaction happened over a few hours. So one email goes one way, we had an email went another way, that's one hour. Then we got broadband and data centres and now we had one to many and we had this thing called spam, spam marketing. I don't know if you remember that, Andy, but, you know, all yeah. that type of stuff. And then the interesting thing started where it was many to many, but then we had machine to man or to woman, uh, to person, and um, and then we've got like these wearables which are machine to machine so the way data is exploding—it's gone from you know one transaction or one email in an hour or six weeks before my to an hour to one to many to twenty-four-seven machine to machine. So you can see how there's an exponential explosion of data, and that all needs to be stored, computed, analysed, um, and um, all on clouds. And those clouds live in data centers, so you can see why there is this massive increase in data center capacity needs. And a lot of uh, power companies, a lot of industry, don't understand. They just think that it's data shifting from the office into a data center, but this is net new creation. So this is, you know, this is why there's a data explosion. I think. Now, I've quoted this years ago, and I've seen many people quote it since then, but when I used to quote this in 2018, 2017, I used to say that all if you took all the world's knowledge and data that was created now since the beginning of man uh, to three years ago, the same amount was created in the last three years. That was back in 2018, 2017, I was saying that, maybe earlier. And then today, that's, that, that again is being done in, I think, a little over two years now. So it really is net new explosion of data and all these new use cases now um, for it. Um, and then there's all these new, um, and, and bandwidth is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. So the the transport mechanism for this data is obviously, these highways are much wider with many more lanes in them that transport it. So it gets around the world a lot faster and into city and inside the cities a lot faster.
0: Yeah, it's been, yeah. a it has been a crazy period. And I've I I've said a few times as well that I think, we were in the those people in the industry were kind of expecting 2020 to be quite a transformational busy year pre-COVID before COVID was even known about. And then I think COVID just expedited that whole period. And we still have all this sort of like IoT and edge, et cetera, you know, automated cars, everything that's coming which is still not here yet. It's still to come. So this this growth is transformation for the industry but it is the start of the growth i think that's hard for some people to understand this is this is a start of a period of significant growth it's not a it's not a peak it's not a one-off this is going to continue for quite a few years to come
1: oh andy um uh, centuries to come but yeah this is the beginning of the journey i could not agree with you more i mean i try to explain this to people that you know Human brain, we think linearly, but this is exponential in terms of its exactly. growth. So it's hard right. to fathom. It's really hard to fathom. um yes. but it is I that. think, it un-
0: and also I think, unless you're in it, you, you have no. You know, and this is why this podcast exists to give people that knowledge. But unless you're in it, you don't really understand. And why would you? Because it's not. It's not in the media. You know, there's no need for you to understand. But when you're in it, you think to yourself, yeah, "This is a start. This isn't." Because some people say to me, "Oh, is this a?" You know will the the data center market drop off in the next two years and like you were saying you have to explain kind of where we are in the in the industry and in the data transformation for people to get a concept and that's even a basic understanding of exactly what's to come which i just don't think people get
1: yeah i couldn't agree more i think what has changed though recently for me or for i think for the industry is look that data centers are big Pieces of infrastructure, conditioned real estate. You know, if you're going to be uh, if you're going to talk about it a little bit more. You know, in terms of um, you know large buildings, um, a lot of mechanical, electrical, and plant. Um, but there's a lot that goes into make it. Really, is an ecosystem. It really is an environment, and um, uh, these environmentals are really important that they that they run in these in ranges that customers need to make sure that their computers. Storage equipment, firewalls, uh, so forth, um, are all running uptime at hundred um, percent. It doesn't happen without the people that run the data center and the operations team. Yes, you can. You've got systems and you've got um, automated responses and alerting and alarming and all the rest of it. But it's all it, at the end of the day. It's all set up by people. It's all run by people, um, and it requires a certain culture. Um, To maintain that 24-7 precise precision uptime mentality and you want to have the right behaviours and culture in your business uh, to create a happy environment for your employees but more importantly a great environment for your customers and I think that's one thing that we've done really really well Uh, so I spend a lot of time in my leadership team spends a lot of time in working through um, the right people for the business both technically and from a customer service standpoint, you know the customer experience is really everything. Um, and running data centers, it's something we've been doing for a long time. We're not a fly-by-night. It's a lot of people have got into the industry to kind of, you know, build a couple, sell a couple of to a large couple of hyperscalers or whatnot, um, large wholesale customers, and then and then sell it on to someone else. But we've been doing this, and I've been doing this in this game for a long, long time. And uh, your credibility is met by the way that you run your operations and in your facility, and then and how you respond to customer needs. So we are super focused on that, and I think um, that's something we have a lot of experience in, um, and that we're learning every day. I think the, the the bar is being raised every year in terms of how to operate these facilities, and I think the the, the ones that are, um, are leading that are the hyperscalers. They're really asking for you know more and more in terms of raising the bar and um and that's really good for the industry and then it trickles down even when you have got a mixed portfolio in time inside your data center you know the benefits that that has for your for all your customers um are very transparent uh and and um and mean that they're getting a better experience as well so really interesting dynamic um this yeah, this and and as revenue, you know, as businesses revenue, one hundred percent of their revenue now are online or going through these data centers. It's it cannot go down. You know, you might spend a few hundred million dollars into the data center, but there's probably a few billion dollars worth of equipment inside your data center, and then you can times that by you know, an order of magnitude for the amount of revenue that's passing through the data centre. So you can see very quickly that you've got, you know, a small nation's, <laughs> you know, economy running through one of these large data centres. quite incredible.
0: Yeah, it's scary when you think about it like that and that concept, it is. isn't it, from a revenue perspective. And obviously we, we need to touch on sort of sustainability and the environmental impact because there's a lot of talk about it at the moment, a lot of chat about water usage, cetera, you know, and heat, et cetera. How are you managing, you know, the demand the increased demands you're getting from your customers regarding sustainability and the environmental impact and and what have you what are you seeing within australia i think you mentioned earlier about you know an increase in renewable energy but are there a lot of is there a lot of activity going on at the moment to try and increase increase that element of of the data center sector
1: yeah sustainability is really a broad concept it's um when you think about it Um, you really want to take a holistic approach to sustainability and it goes well beyond uh, the environment. It goes um, to uh, health and safety for your staff and workers, fair wages, equal opportunity, um, you know, around diversity um, and your supply chains and making sure they're also behaving ethically. Um, And so there's a lot to sustainability and um, it's something that we are we are looking at uh, more and more, and it's becoming very much front and centre um, to, uh, to to a lot of data centres right now. Um, obviously, uh, in you know, if you go back a few years, the benefit of a data centre is you've got a much better PUE than in an office building. An office building might have a PUE, well, let's say, over three. That means the amount of kilowatts it takes to cool um, a a kilowatt of IT load. So if you had one kilowatt of IT load uh and you had a PUE of three, it means you've got two kilowatts uh, of cooling required for that one kilowatt of IT. But you know, we're you know, we're running data centers now, you know, with a design PUE of 1.28. So for every one kilowatt of IT, it's only 0.28 of a kilowatt to cool it. So, you know, it's about it's almost 10 times less than what an office building. Uh, would need to cool so from an environmental standpoint that's very good it's excellent actually um you know putting your stuff in data centers is actually helped the environment but when you actually look at the power consumption of a data center it's it's large it's really large and so then you need to go back a step and go okay you've improved the amount of consumption but really where um where's your power coming from you know and and obviously um your customers are demanding more in that space um you know um, Our country and and Australians in general are um, are demanding more in that space and we're seeing policy, government policy, working toward more sustainable um, and uh, renewable energies uh, that provide more and more um, of that renewable clean energy to the grid um, come in naturally, but we're also focused on it as well. Um, Yeah, water consumption is really interesting. If you've got lots of water, it's not an issue. So if you're in a place where um, you've got, you know, sometimes too much water, then water's really not an environmental consideration. If you're in other considerations where water is actually scarce or or, or there's times where, it's, um, where um, you're worried about water, then it can cost the environment money to truck that in or bring that in or desalinate that. Um, so therefore, water does become um, a sustainability issue. So I guess it depends on your location. Your data centre um, will depend on whether water is um, you know, whether there's an environmental consideration around water or not.
0: Yeah, that exactly. sense, Andy? No, so yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's just I think it's one of those topics that everyone likes to get the opinion of, of people because it is very, um, it can be very specific to your geography, as you, as you said, you kind of where you are. But, but equally, I think I like to share the, the view that it's, the demand is coming from customers as well. It's not the data centre industry that's, you know, the data center is driving it i guess is, is making these changes and doing the engineering behind it but the whole world as a whole is looking at it as a, as a challenge and how can we adapt and how can we be more sustainable how can we be more you know friendly to the environment etc so we all need to try and work together to create these solutions but i think because the data center industry gets a bit of negative press about it i try and share the positive work that you're doing in the industry to actually adapt and change yes i think what
1: people don't realize is everyone has a digital footprint
0: exactly that digital
1: footprint ends up in a data center so if you copy a file five times and don't delete files or you don't clean up your inboxes um, or you create more digital footprint um, and don't think about being efficient in your own digital footprint then you are having an impact on the environment, and you are creating more, um, more data, and you're creating more uh, needs for a data center to, to compute that data. So, when you think about it, you know, um, you know, you, you need to think a little bit more about your own sustainability at, at the individual level, um, and just like we're thinking about it at the data center level, I think it's everybody has a responsibility there. Um, it's everyone because we're all living in this one, on this one planet.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And you've touched on it a few times about the importance of people, and, and obviously, you know, I'm in the people game, so I'd love to talk about it. But Australia, as a geography, obviously has challenges with, a, you know, attracting new talent. You know, obviously, you rely on a lot of talent coming into the country, and you've got a, you know, a finite pool of talent within within your region. How has the lockdown impacted? That element of it, and did it have an impact when you were, you, know, you said earlier you recruited you, you had one thousand people working on those projects? Were you able to source all that talent from within Australia, Andy? That is
1: an extremely good question. We are absolutely an island, uh, and we are reliant on people coming into Australia and getting some uh, and getting resources from overseas. Um, and in COVID, that's proved a real challenge, actually.
0: We're having that challenge everywhere as well. Just so you know, so we, you know, we do a lot of recruitment globally, and, and, and each country has its own challenges now, it, whether they can have inbound talent or whether they can't. You then have the other challenges. There just simply isn't enough people in that specific country, and that probably applies to every country in relation to the data center industry because the, the industry is growing much faster than the talent pipeline. So it's a challenge we've all yeah. got, which is why it's good to, you know, good to share some knowledge on it.
1: Yeah, there's a few tips and tricks there, Andy. One thing that we're really proud of is we're focused on our graduate programs um, and in 2020, here's another one for you, in 2020 we increased the amount of graduates we brought in across the company um, into our um, management centre uh, when a lot of companies were um, had pressed pause on their cadet programs, on their graduate programs. We were a big benefit from that. We got an amazing amount of talent in. And what we do with our graduate program is we put them on a multi-year program and train them up um, for different facets of our organisation. And so by growing them from within, um, we feel that we create a much better a much better uh, employee because we get the right fit for the organisation, particularly from a cultural standpoint. They already come in qualified and they have the right technical qualifications but we want the right behaviours, the right cultural fit, and then we can grow them both technically and culturally uh, and then we promote them within. And we've found that's worked really, really well for us. Um, and we've done that for, oh, you know, at least the last decade now. And, um, and recently we've increased that, you know, accelerated that, that hiring process and that's enabled us to really uh, create um, uh, opportunities for people in the industry. Um, and, and grow them within. So that's one way of doing it, growing within. Obviously, um, creating a great environment for both customers and employees, which um, creates an attraction from others that go, I really want to work from Macquarie Data Centres because they're you know, a great bunch of guys that are doing great things and um, we love what they stand for. We like their product. It's world class. Um, and um, their customers speak very uh, highly of them. I'd like to join that organisation. So we pick up other people from um, potentially competitors or in other industries that have similar needs for um, mission-critical, uh, you know, um, uh, electrical, mechanical electrical and plant services. Um, but, yeah, it, it, we're still seeing challenges um, in Australia, particularly because we are very far away from the world. We've benefited from that, but we're also, um, it's also caused a bit of a problem in terms of that our uh, in, uh, in, uh it just in IT in general, there's a great thirst for, for more and more people, and we're seeing we find it harder and harder to find, um, you know, technically trained talent. And yeah, I definitely. think hey, that's everywhere,
0: isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think you're doing exactly the right thing. You know, like I always say to companies I talk with and work with, that you know, you've got to start growing your own, you've got to start creating your own because, as we've said numerous times in this episode, that you know, the growth's continuing, and if we don't feed the funnel. You're, going to have, you're just going to experience a, a greater shortage year on year. And you need to create your own. You need to look at other industries. And equally, yeah, I totally agree, and it's clear that you guys are, you need to be a company that people want to work for. You need to have the right values. You need to drive a culture, Except, You need to do all of that to make you an attractive organisation. And the other thing I say is the sector needs to do that as a whole. We need to make the sector one that everybody wants to work in so that we can get the talent from other industries. Sorry to the other industries, but you can get the talent from those industries and drive them into the into the data center sector as well. Absolutely. And I think the other thing
1: we've got to do better at as an industry is attract more females into the industry. Yeah, it's, it's totally it's with
0: that as well. No, exactly. Just and not that's enough. global. Um, that's global. Yeah as well. that's global. And that's
1: not just data science, that's IT. In general, any, um, yeah, any 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 STEM or IT, yeah. But speaking to some of the CIOs at um, some of the major universities here in Australia and Sydney, and um, and they said, look, it's really hard. They they, you know, they're only they're about eighty five percent male, fifteen percent female. So you know, it starts in high school. We've got to do a better education, uh, a job in educating. Um, kids about the opportunities um, already in high school. It's too late at university. They're just not applying for those roles at uni. And so by the time they finish uni, um, you know, there's not as many to uh, a big enough pool there. And So we're missing out on 50% of the population. So I think that's something we should definitely be focusing on as an industry, uh, not just data centres, but IT in general.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think I always say now, Michael, my, my I went to university uh, 20-something years ago and, I think of that in my generation, you didn't really know what you wanted to do. You just went to university because it's what everybody did. Whereas now, people have made that decision a long time before university. The generation of young people now know exactly what they want to do. So you know you're spot on. We need to get into them a lot earlier so that they make the decision to to join IT or engineering or whatever it may be. But if you wait until uni, exactly right they've already made that choice or they've already got a job and they're not even going to you <laughs> they've gone and they've gone and chosen something else um yeah, why before so exciting,
1: yeah. maybe. i was just going to say why our industry is so exciting why it is so exciting because it is i mean it's 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 changing every day um it's mentally stimulating uh, there's great opportunities uh in our industry and in it in general and it really is you know fascinating it's it's as big as your brain can think it's you can be really creative in 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 it so um it really is um you know where the world's all headed um and why
0: wouldn't you want to be part of that journey exactly and you can make a genuine difference as well you know you can make a genuine difference to people's lives because you know, this is a game-changing moment to get involved you know and, and be part of it i you know if i could go back 20 whatever years and you know i'd certainly be be keen to join it and i know a lot of young people are that know about it but it's just getting the message to more of the young people, basically. Before I let you go and have your beer, and I'll um, probably go and have a coffee. It's a total end of the spectrum. Um, There's one question I ask everybody on my podcast just to get their views. But if you could give one piece of advice to anyone looking to work in the data centre industry, what would it be?
1: What would that advice be? I think understand your customer is really important. Um, Understand that, you know, think of, the data center business, like a Formula One team, you know, it's about uptime and precision and you're part in that, in that race and everything's about tweaking tweaking that opportunity and then think about what you're, um, what you're a part of. So I think it's all very exciting. So that's my advice. I think there's many ways to enter the data center industry. You just need to be a little bit creative. Even though it's quite a small industry, there are opportunities because everyone's growing. Um, and I think um, you know, having an electrical engineering background is probably a good place to start.
0: Exactly, definitely helps. And there also are a lot of other careers as well within it, which is another point that I try and make. It's yes, there's a lot of engineering roles, but there's also a lot of support roles within the within the sector. So if you're interested in data centres and you're not an engineer, there's still plenty of opportunity available.
1: Oh, there's lots of lots of uh, opportunity. Um, in the data center industry for marketing, like any business, right? Whether it's sales, marketing, finance, so on and so forth, um, many opportunities there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Excellent. I really enjoyed that conversation. I think obviously learn a lot, you know, a bit about yourself, but also a lot about Macquarie, what you guys are doing in Australia and also about the region, Australia, and the, how you're managing the challenges that, that we all face in the sector today. Much appreciate your time. You know, I'm sure we'll we'll speak again soon. You can head off into Sydney, uh, I assume, and, and enjoy a beer. And um hopefully some better weather than I've got here. It's pouring down with rain.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks, Andy, for your time. Really appreciate it. Um no, this, it's it's winter now in Sydney, but beautiful blue skies as usual. So uh, not to make you jealous, but No, I was
0: gonna say we know he's on the wrong side of the world at the moment, don't we? But anyway, I appreciate your time and, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Andy. Cheers, man. Take care.